We're finishing our mini-series in the Sermon on the Mount. So this morning you get to throw stones. Have you got a stone? If you haven't got a stone, you will need a stone during the service. So the hosting team, if you put your hand up, if you haven't got a stone, the hosting team will come round to you and let you have a stone right now. So you get, to fr- you get the opportunity to throw stones this morning. And you have to be over 18, I'm afraid, Ed, uh, to throw a stone. Uh, but in return, I get the opportunity to beat you with sticks. So how's that? How's that sound? Is that all right? He still, he still wants his stone. He doesn't mind about the stick. Okay. I was speaking to someone uh, last week about how difficult it is to preach on this topic because it's basic Christianity. I've only been around church for about a dozen years. Maybe you've only been around for a few weeks, but you know judging other people is not something Christians are supposed to do. You know that, right? Let's just make sure we've got a, a yes before we begin. Good. Okay. I invited a couple of people to church over the last few weeks. One of them said they could probably get a suit from the charity shop, which they could wear so they could fit in. Another one said they didn't want those nice people in their tweed suits to judge them in their motorcycle gear. I do apologise if you like wearing tweed. And another one said they didn't want their past to come out because they would feel judged and condemned and then be shunned. And that's kind of how they feel already. A uh, quick survey for you. Hands up. How many of you have been judged because of your past? Keep your hands up, please. How many of you have been judged based on rumours and lies? How many of you have been judged for doing something different or just being different? How many of us have ever felt the sting of being unfairly judged by another person when they didn't even know you? Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. It seems uh, that we have a story to be told, and that story involves uh, being judged or being condemned unfairly by others. Something we, the ones who are being judged, have really very little power over but one which those who are passing judgment have the absolute power and control over. Looking at the hands raised, it seems as though judging others is a problem for the church today, which means it will be worth your while listening to me for the next 15 minutes or so. And of course, it was not really any different in Jesus' day. If you would like to pick up your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 8, verses 3 to 11. It's on page 1073 of Church Bibles, or wherever it is in your phone that you've brought today. Whatever method it is that you use to read your Bibles is fine. Just pick that up. John 8, 3 to 11. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. The story of a woman about to go under, a group of men who forgot they were in the life-saving business and the one who keeps on searching the deep for the treasures that are lost. Few issues in society today create as much furore than the issue of judging. If you want to get someone mad at you real quick, don't bother with commenting on their clothes or their hair, or whether their bum looks big in this. And second thoughts, gents, it's always no and very fast. If you want to get people real mad at you, make a judgment about their lifestyle, about one of their choices, about the way that they live, the way they choose to live. Or maybe an opinion that they hold. Or perhaps a belief that they have. Make a judgment about that and see what happens. Do not judge or you too will be judged. There are famous words that just about, I suspect, everyone in this room has heard at one time or another. Happy sounds are those in a day and age when the only politically response, correct response to any moral statement or lifestyle is, if it works for you, it's all right. If it suits you, it's all right. It's okay. But I wonder, where does that stop? Who am I to judge? They'll say, who are you to judge? But where does that stop? If it works for me, can I eat my dog? Got one person I can trust. Can I burn down my vicarage? Can I marry my brother? But who are you to judge? Who are you to judge? But then just think with me for a bit. You imagine someone on trial for murder. And one of the jury members stands up in the middle and says, I don't think we've got any right to judge this person. We don't know. Maybe they were asked by God to murder this particular person. Who are we to judge? Well, shortly after that person gets carried out by the men in white coats, they will continue with hearing why that person should be judged. When you see someone making a practice of self-destructive behaviour, we can gently bring that to their attention. That's okay. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. When you see someone who's had too much drink to drive, getting their car keys out, and you call them on it, that's okay. Jesus isn't saying there is no room for judgment at all. God intends the world to be ordered and for injustice to be kept in check. I'm not supposed to eat my dog or burn down my vicarage or marry my brother. What he's saying is stop, stop 
Look, look, and listen, listen. Have a long and careful look in the mirror before you begin judging someone else. The NIV version says, do not judge. The Amplified version says, do not judge and criticize and condemn others. I heard a story about a five-year-old boy named Andrew who was round at his neighbor's house And he got out his picture of his classmates and he said, that's Stephen, he's always telling on people. That's Robert, he's very naughty. And that's me, I'm just sitting there minding my own business. We can be very good looking at others, pointing to others' faults. It's a funny thing about us humans, we're rather quick to sum other people up. We had a fantastic Tesco's collection for our food bank on Thursday. Thank you so much for those of you who helped to collect the food there on Thursday. We were met with such generosity. The uh, store where we keep all the food is absolutely brimming, and there's more food to come from Tesco's. They've uh, arranged to deliver it for us. It was a wonderful time. But there I was, looking at people coming in. So you're looking at people and you're handing out a leaflet which has got a shopping list on it, and you're saying to them, we're just collecting for a food bank, would you like to, if you can, can you get one of those items off that list? And I am making judgments about people coming in. That person's not gonna give us anything, there's no point in asking them. You know, particularly I looked at some young people, and I thought, I don't wanna ask them. There's no way. And yet they were the most generous of the lot. It's so easy for us to make judgments about people, particularly about the way that they look, but about all sorts of other things. And I do it myself. I have my stone in my hand. We see others doing wrong, and we see ourselves as being virtuous. With really little information about the other person, and with absurd confidence in our character radar, we make judgments about people. And they're often made too early to actually be reliable. They're called pre-judgments, which of course is where we get prejudices from. Have a good look around the room. Maybe you're new here, perhaps you haven't judged anyone just yet. Have you judged someone based on stuff that you didn't really know about them? Have you done that already? Maybe you have. A person brought up in a Christian home can't really know the temptations of a teenager brought up in a non-Christian home. The temptations are completely different. The fact is, if we realised what some people have to go through, where their starting point is, forget about where they are on their journey towards God and with God, if we thought about where people had to start at from and where they had got to, we would literally be marvelling at how far they had gone on their journey rather than criticising and condemning and judging them. 
when uh, people have spiritual plank-in-eye syndrome, we lose all sense of perspective. We become blinded. It happens so easily. We become blinded by prejudice, preconceived notions about grumpy old people or the violent young people wearing their hoodies or the job-shy Eastern Europeans or the benefit-cheating traveling community or the folk who look like or dress like or work at. You fill in the blanks. I read a story about a soap actress, Daniela Westbrook, who revealed that um, she had spoken to God and heard from God when she was an addict. She said she is, she's from EastEnders, some of you may remember her. She said she's prepared for people's reactions. I used to be a person for judging until I came into the church, and that was one thing I had to check myself on, she said, constantly not judging others. She said that everyone was like, oh my God, she's gone from a drug addict to a crazy Christian. And you know what? If you want to label me, she says, label me. That's cool. But walk a mile in my shoes and then you'll know. Then judge. She's taken that saying from an old Indian saying, saying, don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. To which the comedian Steve Martin added, never judge a man unless you've walked a mile in his shoes. Then you'll be a mile away and you'll have his shoes. John Stott, a great theologian, puts it another way. He says, Jesus does not tell us to cease to be, be men and women by suspending our critical powers, which help distinguish us from the animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God. And that's what drives an overly critical and overly judgmental and a prejudiced belief. A belief that you can see, that I can see, as God sees. That I can see your motives. That I can see your thoughts. I can see your heart. I can see where you started from. I know all the things that have led you to this point in your life. That is what Jesus wants to eliminate. As ever, with all these quotations and all these wonderful people, I feel that God makes the best point of all. You'll be pleased to hear that, being the leader of this church. I think God makes the best point. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How is your heart this morning? God promises to replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Perhaps this morning, a heart operation is due for you. Jesus is addressing another problem with the religious leaders of the day. Not only were they overly critical, they were also hypocritical. They were two-faced. Perhaps you'd like to pick up your Bibles again. We're on page 971 in the church, Blue Bibles. 971, we're in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 1 to 5. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but I always, right, have to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just to work out where, where, which one comes. I don't know why it always goes around in my head. Matthew, right, it's the first one in the New Testament. 
the story of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. We like to look at people with uh, bifocals. We use the bottom part to see ourselves a kind of rosy tint. And we look at the rest of the world and the other people with the top half. We look past our shortcomings, but not at others. It's very easy to do very commonplace. Maybe we should leave those bifocals at the door when we come in. Not if you actually need them to obviously see. (laughs) The ones you use to judge other people. Let's leave them at the door as we come in. And ultimately, let's not pick them back up again when we go back outside. Remember, this is for that. The picture is ridiculous. It's like a a scene out of the Three Stooges, and Jesus' audience were probably laughing out loud. Here is one guy with a little piece of sawdust in his eye, and there is his brother walking around with this great big plank. It's like, uh, it's like he's walking around like this. And he's like, uh, Claire, Claire, I'm pretty sure in your eye you've got, yeah, I'm pretty sure, hang on a minute, I'll just have another look. Oh, yeah, you've definitely got a speck of sawdust in there. It's like a comedy show, and they would have been laughing. They would have been laughing. And then, of course, he hits them with, the reality that they are hypocrites. When I point my finger at you, which we all love to do, when I point my finger at you, what is happening? There are three fingers pointing right back at me right now. My attention is distracted from my own character flaws and sin, and that is the real danger of judging other people. Ultimately, the flaws that you have control over are your own. Those are the ones that should command your greatest attention. Okay. Are you ready to do some judging right now? Pick up your stones. Have them ready. I'm watching that side in particular. In 1 John 4, are you ready? 1 John 4, 1, it says, John says, he tells, tells us, he tells you, not to believe every preacher that comes along, but to test him. 
No, no one ready? No, no one want to throw a stone at me? Okay, good. Keep them in your hand. We'll carry on. You know, we were created to be in the life-saving, life-transforming business. That's why God chose you. That's why God has called you here this morning to be part of this family. That's why our God-given vision is radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Because that's the business we're in. We don't often see it because we're often too preoccupied, but people are having mini shipwrecks around us every day. Your friend gets a roasting from their boss. Your child fails at school. A colleague makes some foolish financial choices. A teenager gets dumped by her boyfriend. A wife fights with her husband and is a little bit further away from the vows that she made on her wedding day. Mostly the lifelines that we have to offer people are our words. We have our actions too, but they're our words. And our words have the power to diminish and destroy or to increase, to expand, to transform. We have the ability to offer love and hope and acceptance, but we also have the ability to wound and condemn and judge. Which are you going to choose? I started by talking about uh, getting some enjoyment and beating you with sticks. And of course, our story, the Christian story, involves him being beaten with sticks. Why did Jesus allow himself to be condemned and judged and beaten with sticks? So that you and I can have our relationship restored with God, made right, fixed, healed. He took all of the judgment we deserve on his shoulders on the cross so that you and I can be forgiven and live the full life he intended us to have. Not just the eternal life that is the promise of heaven and being with him forever, but the full life right here and now. Have you ever played Top Trumps? Have you played Top Trumps? The sovereign God who, for many, for many people, seems absent for this world, is, in fact, supremely present in Jesus. He takes the mess that we are as human beings, our mistakes, our shortcomings, he exposes them and deals with them on the cross allowing mercy to triumph, to trump over judgment. The only one truly able to judge tells you and I not to, so that we might be free to love. Let's pray. Why don't you, um, if you, if you put your stone down, why don't you pick it up?
Maybe you're carrying a stone of judgment that you need to let go of. Maybe you've been walking through life with a stone in your hand. Maybe it represents your parents. The way that they treated you. The words they spoke over you. Maybe the stone is a something to do with your ex, an ex-partner, an ex-spouse. The person who didn't keep up their promises to you. Maybe it's against your boss. Maybe the stone is a symbol of your boss who's overlooked you for promotion yet again who for whatever reason doesn't seem to like you, no matter how hard you try. Maybe there's a colleague that you just can't get along with. Maybe it's just a neighbor, a neighborly dispute. Maybe you've carried the stone for so long you don't even remember life without it. the band lights come up. Just uh, as a response, just going to invite you to, um, this is what we used to take our offering in on a Sunday morning. Uh, this bowl is going to be at the bottom of the cross, which is just at the prayer area there. So I'm going to put this bowl down. I just invite you as the band plays, you can sing, let them sing over you. You can stand, you can fall, you can do whatever God prompts you to do. But I just invite you to take this stone, the stone that's in your hand, that stone of judgment, whatever it is that the Spirit has been prompting you on this morning, to take it to the cross, to take it to Jesus, to put it down and to leave it there, to leave it with Him, the one in whom you can trust to deal with it properly, rightly and justly.